0: Do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. First John series, and we're actually coming to an end, First John chapter five. We're going to read the first few verses. First John chapter 5. John says, "Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There's a key word I want us to focus on in this passage and that's the word overcomer. We hear this word often. It's a word that we often use when someone is no longer interacting with their addictions. We hear this word when It seems as if someone is finally able to control their emotions. We hear this word on talk shows, Dr. Phil and Oprah, when they sit with people who battled with intense stories of how they battled with low self-esteem and drugs and family abuse, but now they can manage it. And telling their stories, and when you compare where they are to where they were, they tend to use that word, overcomer. And as touching as these stories are, I believe that God wants us to know through the scriptures that there is a deeper meaning to this word overcomer than what is used in the secular world because the Christian view of an overcomer has more depth than that of the worldly view and so as we unpack this morning's text my prayer is that we will walk away knowing what a true overcomer is through the eyes of God. And so the first thing that John wants us to know when it comes down to an overcomer, an overcomer loves one another. In verse one, it says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ and has been born of God and everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. He goes on to the next verse and says, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. And so John is giving us a few indicators for us to know if we're overcomers or not. We know if we're overcomers by how we love one another. He says in verse two, by this we know that we love the children of God. The children of God are those who have repented of their sins and they have received Jesus as Lord. So this means that all children of God Make up a spiritual family. And so that means we should see one another as family. We should treat one another as family. One thing I cannot stand is seeing Christians bash other Christians. I cannot stand seeing Christians openly embarrass and gossip and seek to hurt other Christians because we're a family. And so we're to honor And love each other the same way we would our biological family, despite our flaws, despite our shortcomings. Real Christians seek to forgive and be forgiven. They seek to love and be loved. And this is what John is talking about a few chapters uh, earlier. First John chapter three verse eleven. He says, "For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another." He says, "From the." beginning when he says from the beginning he's pointing us back to the words of Jesus this this teaching of love this commandment of love this standard of love is not just from John but it is pointing us back to the heart and the mind and the mouth of Jesus Christ and so this means Jesus is letting us know that he is the source of love from the beginning it points back to Jesus and so John is reminding believers he wants to teach unbelievers that Jesus is the beginning, He is the root, He is the source of love. And so we cannot love each other biblically outside of Jesus Christ. We cannot love each other biblically without receiving Jesus Christ. That's why he tells us in John chapter, first John chapter 4, verse 8. And one thing, as we're wrapping up this series, reaching the end of 1 John, there's a lot of things you're gonna hear that you've heard within the last few Sundays because this is almost a recap of what John has been talking about throughout his letter and so you've heard 1 John 4, 8 already when he tells us that God is love love is who God is that means he has every right to define love and so because he has every right to define love he has every right to define how we love him and how we love one another all throughout this letter of 1 John we hear that word love this word love it it often gives us this warm feeling this this fuzzy feeling it's a word that makes us feel good because we often associate this word with romance or a nice gesture but it's not a word of romance it's not it's not even a word of brotherly love but this word love comes from the word agape agape love it's a love that consists of commitment and long suffering it's a word of benevolence and it's a word of long suffering this is what paul is talking about first corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 through 7 he says love is patient and is kind he says love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with truth love bears all things it believes all things hopes all things endures all things this is the love of god that dwells in the heart of a true believer and so we're commanded to love one another from the heart that's a true display of our walk with jesus paul tells us again in philippians he challenges us to have the heart of a servant by putting the needs of others above our own so true christians we seek to put the needs of others above our own we seek to put god's will above our own desires because true christians love god then paul says in philippians 2 5 he tells us to have this mind among ourselves that was also in christ jesus And so because true christians seek to live like jesus we seek to love like jesus We seek to love those around us and see life and people through the lens of Christ. When we get in an altercation, our mind should immediately think, how would Jesus handle that person? When we get in a challenging situation, we would think, what would Jesus do in this moment? A Christian loves Jesus and seeks to love like Jesus. They seek to love like God and so because we love God we should love God's people again this word love it's a love it's a word of commitment it goes beyond someone's flaws which means according to first John love is not always demonstrated in the form of a hug or a handshake it's very unfortunate that we often, and I I include myself in this, we often limit love to a hug and a kiss. We often limit love to that warm, fuzzy feeling or a, a, a romantic song. We limit love to being affirmed. But sometimes love isn't always shown in the form of congratulations or praise. Sometimes love comes in the form of discipline or correction. Sometimes Encouragement comes in the form of rebuke. And so if we love one another, we should not only come to each other to congratulate or praise one another, but sometimes we should come to each other just to correct. There's a way we do that. We don't just do that openly. Let's pull each other to the side, shall we? Pull, each, pull me to the side and let me know that what I'm doing may not line up with Scripture. Don't just come to me when I'm doing a good job, but come to me if you say you love me. Come to me when I'm doing wrong. Because honestly, your love is questioned when you say you love me, but watch me fall short without saying a word. My love is questioned if I say I love you without lovingly confronting you about your flaws. And so John 2, he says in verse 5 or chapter 5 verse 2 he says by this we know that we love the children of God and so if you're in Christ if I'm in Christ we're supposed to live out this life together we're supposed to bear one another's burdens we're supposed to mourn together we're supposed to rejoice together we're supposed to support one another we're supposed to cheer one another on we're supposed to forgive One another. That is what a true believer does. Believers have character traits, and love is the character trait of a believer. That is the life of an overcomer. That is the life of an overcomer. Now, now, how does an overcomer reach that level of love? How does an overcomer reach the point where they can love their enemies and pray for those that despitefully use them? And how does an overcomer immediately go w- with their mind to how would Jesus handle this situation? It brings me to my next point. The reason why an overcomer can reach that point of love is because overcomers are born of God. Overcomers are born of God verse 1 again it says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the father whoever has been loves whoever has been born of him go I want to skip the verse 4 for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is it That overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and so the first thing that a person must go through to be an overcomer is birth spiritual birth that's the key word I want us to focus on in this passage as well that word born he says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God And everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of God. That's a word that we see all throughout these five verses. Born. You know, I believe that natural birth is a miracle. I believe that natural birth is a miracle. I believe it's a miracle for a woman to endure the pain of childbirth and then take care of the child afterwards. That's a miracle to me and that's one of the reasons why I believe women should feel insulted when a man goes around saying he's a woman because a man might have the look he might try to have the sound but he doesn't have the experience that's cheating and so I think it's a miracle I think it's a miracle I think it's a miracle how they endure the pain not only during childbirth but even before childbirth, during pregnancy and even after childbirth, any women want to say amen to that? Amen. And so childbirth, it's a miracle because we get to see someone who at one point in time was non-existent on this earth. We get to see them come into the world and we get to see them grow. But the scary thing about watching children grow is knowing how dark and how evil the world is around us we constantly have to keep our eyes on our children we constantly have to be in protection mode but I believe it's incredible I believe that having children is incredible and I believe it's miraculous but if childbirth is miraculous natural childbirth in this dark world how much more of a miracle is it to be born of God I believe to be born of God is actually more more miraculous than natural childbirth because we're naturally born in a sinful world we're naturally born in a harmful world you know we lie without being taught we seek revenge without being taught we're selfish without being taught just the other day i told my daughter not to climb on the couch not climb on the couch i run over to the kitchen wash some dishes. I, I pop my head back in there. Guess whose leg is on the couch trying to climb the couch? I didn't teach her to do that. I walk over and when, she, when I call her name, she immediately jumps off and she looks around and she starts to talk and explain herself in her baby language. You know, I, I was just... No, you know, we know what she was doing. I didn't teach her to do that. She was sneaky without being taught that's that's our sinful nature we're rebellious and we're hostile without being taught but that's a result of our rebellion toward a holy and righteous God God is holy he's righteous he made us in his image he made us in his likeness out of arrogance we rebelled against God we ushered sin that poison God's creation sin consumed our minds it made us hostile beings and it put us in the place to deserve nothing but God's wrath but God loved us loved us so much that he gave us his son Jesus God the son the co-creator of the universe he came to this earth he lived among us as, as a sinless person but we were sinful he lived a sinless life being tempted at all points but yet he remained sinless he was so empty of sin that he not only took our sin but he took the father's wrath for our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God and so he died on the cross for our sins he was buried but three days later Jesus bodily rose from the dead defeating sin and death and so when our faith is in Christ we're saved from the penalty of sin. And though sin may have influence, it no longer has dominion. And so that is what John is talking about in verse 4. He says, Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. And then you see a dash. That dash is almost like it's a it's a it's a it's a definition, it defines What John has been talking about it sums up the verse it answers any questions and so John is saying for and this is the victory that overcomes our faith and he's pretty much saying well what is that and that's what the dash is and then he answers that by saying it's our faith our faith is the victory that overcomes the world it is by faith in Christ alone it is our submission to Jesus Christ that makes us overcome this world but we're naturally sinful we're born sinful without the spirit of God dwelling in our hearts we're born hostile and we're rebellious we live in this world as spiritually dead people in our sins and that's what Paul is taught he says Paul says in Romans 8 and 7 he says for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law indeed it cannot then he said he also says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 3 he says and you were dead in your trespasses and sins he said in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature by nature no one taught us this by nature of wrath like the rest of mankind and so those who are dead he says we were dead in our trespass those who are dead cannot make decisions those who are dead they can't make any decisions that's why we make requests that's before we die that's why we make our own decisions before we die that's why we have a will so that way people can handle the business after we're gone they can handle our bodies after we're gone but when we're spiritually dead in our sins we're unable to make decisions on our own we're unable to love others like Jesus or live a life for Jesus we cannot live at all spiritually because we don't have the spirit of God living in us to point us to Christ make sense and so this is why you can have all the luxuries of this world you can travel all across the world you can have the dream job you can have the dream husband you can have the dream wife you can have the lifestyle you want you can have the dream car and still feel empty you can have everything a person could want everything a person could desire and still feel unsatisfied because Jesus alone completes us and so those who are not born of God they are empty, they are spiritually dead and so because we're rebellious because we want nothing to do with Christ it takes something supernatural it takes a supernatural strength for our eyes to be open to the truth of Christ it takes a supernatural miracle for our hearts to be open to receiving the gospel and so the Holy Spirit he miraculously transforms our heart through the preaching and the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once he opens our hearts and he opens our eyes, he leads us and he guides us so that we may grow in our walk with Christ and grow in what we've received. When we submit our lives to Jesus, our hearts and our minds are transformed. We are made new. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul says old things. Old things have passed away. Old things, it refers to the old you. It refers to the old you. The old you that was once rebellious and hostile towards God. The old you that looked forward to sinning against others and hurting others others the old you that look for pleasures from this world to fill the emptiness in your heart the Bible says the old you has died you know when I I think of things dying my mind goes to plants one thing about plants is recognizing that a dying plant can only be regrown if the roots are still alive but when the roots of the plant have died The plant cannot be regrown. Anybody guarding? Am I I right? Is that right? Okay. I just want to make sure. I would hate to go through all that and stand up here and I'm just off. I just want to make sure. Okay. But so once the root has died, the plant cannot be regrown. It can never come back. That's one of the reasons why this world is so chaotic. Because they've only sought to cut off the stems. They've only sought to cut off the leaves. But the world needs to know that handling the challenges of this life, this world, is not done through a vacation, is not done through yoga, it's not done through therapy, it's not done through shopping. All those things are great. There's nothing wrong with those activities but without Christ, these things only kill stems and they only kill the leaves of our issues. The root of our issue is recognizing the need of a savior and until the root has been addressed the unbeliever will always be bound the root of our rebellion is sin the root of our hurt is sin the root of depression is sin but through the bodily resurrection of Jesus sin has been defeated and so when we submit to Jesus as Lord of our lives the Holy Spirit fills us and the Holy Spirit handles the root and once something has reached the point of death again it cannot return so Paul is saying that the transformative power of the Holy Spirit is so powerful that it will permanently remove the old you permanently remove the old you so we are new creatures anything that's new it has a cleaner look. It has a fresher smell. It has a stronger sound when it runs. It has It's more sharper and more effective. Paul is saying this is what happens to those who come to Jesus. They are spiritually new. In fact, the power of the gospel, I believe the power of the gospel is so strong that it can even transform the outer appearance. I believe it can transform the outer. I've seen people who were strung out on drugs before they received the gospel. They had no weight. I've seen them strung out on drugs and they lost their hair, but the Holy Spirit transformed them to the point where the addict in them died and the new man was made. That's why some people's testimonies are just unbelievable. Sometimes you hear what people have gone through before Christ, and it just it can't, you can't comprehend it. Because what you're seeing is the power of the transformative power of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. That's a true overcomer. That is a true overcomer. Someone who has been made new by the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. We are new creatures. And that's what Jesus is talking about in John 3. He says we're not just new creatures. In fact, we're so new that jesus calls it a new birth he calls it a new birth in john 3 john 3 chapter 3 or verse 3 through 6 john answered him saying truly truly i say unto you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god and nicodemus the religious leader jesus was talking to said to him how can a man be born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. I'm going to look at verse five again. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That verse, verse five, it points us back to Ezekiel 36 It's a reference Jesus In John 3, he was talking to a religious leader, a Pharisee who knew the Old Testament like the back of his hand. They had chapters and books of Old Testament passages memorized. And so when Jesus brings up water in the spirit, the Pharisee immediately knew where he was going with that. So Jesus didn't have to say, well, let's turn to your Bibles to Ezekiel. The the Pharisee immediately knew he knew the Hebrew scriptures and so Ezekiel 36 it tells us how the transformative power of the Holy Spirit will take and why he will wash us with water spiritual water he will take our hearts of stone our cold hardened hearts and he will take that heart and give us a heart of flesh that's the kind of God we serve a God that is all-powerful before we receive the gospel and submit to Jesus Christ we're dead in our sins We're dead in our sins, but the Spirit of God brings life. And so when we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us, burns out anything that's not like us. He guides us and he leads us in the way of Jesus so that we may overcome temptation by doing all the things that Jesus has commanded us. That's what it means to be born of God. That is a spiritual birth. It is a transformative experience that changes who you were it kills who you were so that you can live and who God called you to be that's why Jesus says you have to be born again if someone walks in this church and they are in sin and they're justifying it and they don't see the problem they're not saved but that's all right because they have to be born again and our prayer is that they would sit down and hear the worship and experience the word of God so that God can transform their heart and we can have a funeral service and a birthday party at the same time they will walk out the dead man will sit right here and the new man will walk out that church and celebrate Jesus that's our prayer the Holy Spirit fills us once we're born again so that we may overcome temptation and do all that Jesus has commanded us Which brings me to the last point Overcomers obey God's commands Overcomers obey God's command Verse 3 he says For this is the love of God That we keep his commandments And his commandments are not burdensome First John again it's a letter That's written to both believers in Christ And unbelievers so that we may walk away Knowing where we land in our faith It's a letter to remind believers of the power of the gospel, ultimately reminding us in the eternal hope of heaven. But it's also a letter to teach and warn unbelievers of their need for a savior so that they may face or so they may not face the penalty of their sin after this life is over. And so during this time, you know, there were a lot of people who were claiming to be Christians But they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They did not believe that he was the son of God. They did not believe that he was the Christ. But they claim to be Christians. They claim to be Christians, but they live contrary to God's word. And so John writes his letter so that people will walk away knowing where they land when it comes down to the faith. And that's why he says in verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So this verse, it reveals the proof of one's salvation and walk with God. John says, the proof of our love for Jesus is how we obey him. And so the proof that we're saved is how we love one another, and the proof that we love one another is how we obey. So this is something that's challenging for us to do because it causes us to deny worldly desires. Again, through the death and bodily resurrection, sin has been defeated, as I said earlier. Our faith in Christ, it frees us from the dominion and the authority of sin. But sin still has influence. It still has influence. When we have sinful desires, we still have sinful desires that go against God's word. And sometimes the challenges of life will hit us so hard that we may fall right into temptation. We all sin at times, all of us. But the proof of our salvation is recognizing that what we've done is wrong. The weight of guilt, that, that sorrowfulness over our sin is the Holy Spirit living in us, convicting us of our sin. The Holy Spirit is reminding us that we've fallen short and he guides us back on track to following Jesus. But if you feel like you the need to justify your sin, if you feel like you want to use the scriptures to support your sin... It may be because you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's because you're not one of God's. The Holy Spirit he fills us and he teaches us to deny ourselves by following Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit grows our love for Jesus through the reading of his word, through Christian community. And the more we love and walk with Jesus, the more we love him. And the more we love him, the more we love one another. The more we love one another, the more we forgive and seek to be forgiven. The more we love one another, the more compassionate and merciful and gracious will be toward others. But it starts with recognizing the root. And the root is the need of a Savior. The root, as Christians, is recognizing what Christ has done or the love of the Father displayed his son Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection I want us to take time and remember our testimony and how the Holy Spirit opened our eyes to the truth of the gospel that's the testimony of an overcomer an overcomer is not someone who just stopped certain behaviors that's the world's view of an overcomer And, and it's not necessarily wrong But there's more to it that's a surface level view of an overcomer Oprah and Dr. Phil those shows they only address the stems they only address the leaves but they do not address the root and that's why people can come and say they're overcome addicts but if they're not saved they're bound to go back they're bound to fall short again because there's no one living in them to guide their steps back to Jesus and so the world's view of an overcomer it only deals with the stems and the leaves of the issues but surrendering to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit it handles the root and the root is sin a true overcomer has overcome the things of this world because their lives are under the authority of the resurrected Christ the one who defeated sin and so my prayer is that as we move forward we would not look to the root or we would not look to the stems and the leaves but we would look for the Holy Spirit to address the root of our issue we would pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to burn out anything in us that's not like Christ so that we may be more like him that is the prayer of an overcomer amen let's pray father we thank you because you are a good God we thank you that you love us we have sinned we have rebelled against you but you still loved us we thank you for sending your son we thank you for the sinless life of Christ the example of an overcomer for Jesus said I have overcome this world one who was tempted at all points and yet resisted the tent the temptation he conquered the temptation he conquered sin and death through his death and his bodily resurrection and we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that we would be daily conformed to the image of Jesus Christ that this the mind that was in Christ would be in us so that we may live like him that we may love like him we thank you for this opportunity to dive in your word and we pray that as we leave this place, we would leave with a burning desire to live out what we've learned here so that we may be more like Jesus Christ, so that our father in heaven will be glorified and that those around us will be edified and that the devil will be horrified. That's our prayer in Jesus name. Amen.